Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I can't wait for you to hear this special episode of our podcast. You're going to hear from Coach Elsie Cisneros. He's uh, an assistant football coach, passing in coordinator, wide receiver coach at Cleveland High School, Cleveland, Texas, in the Dallas area. He's married and they have a daughter, just an, an incredible testimony. And just a note before we get to it is this one was recorded live via Zoom with, with an audience. So enjoy this time and be encouraged. Well, thanks for joining me today, Elsie. Hey, it's nice to be here, man. It's a blessing. Awesome. And just for those listening to this podcast, this one is being recorded live. We do have a handful of guys uh, joining us via Zoom listening into this. So this is the first time for us. So bear with us if you hear some background noise, but uh, we're going to jump right in this. So LC, I, I always like to start off with some background information so the listeners kind of get an idea of who you are. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, your family growing up, and then kind of circle back to your family today. I guess I'll kind of jump ahead and I'll retouch on this later, but I spent most of my life in a small town called Dillion, Texas, which is right outside of Stephenville. Um, it's a hole in the wall. It's got a total of two red lights. Um, and so if, if you're driving through and you blink, you probably miss it. Uh, but, you know, I was, you know, just your, it was a small 2A, so I was your, you know, I played every sport, you know, just because that's just what you did at small schools. You just, you know, if you, if you wanted to be, if you're any type of athlete, you know, you, you did that. Um, and then, so spent my life going up there, you know, ended up from, you know, going from Dillion to playing college football, Harden Simmons in Abilene, Texas, um, played a uh, running back my freshman year and then switched over to the dark side and played defense the remaining three years of my career, um, you know, and ended up getting a business degree just because, you know, I mean, I didn't know what I wanted and I was undecided all the way until I was a junior, you know, and I was a super senior. So I took that victory a lot, you know, so I was there for five years and I, uh, you know, ended up, I guess, declaring business as my major because it was the most broad and I felt like that's where I could, at the time, that's where I thought I could make the most money. <laughs> so I did that. I ended up moving to Houston, uh, working in sales, you know, did that for 18 months and realized that that definitely was not my calling. And uh, ended up just moving back home to the Metroplex. My my sister and them lived in Arlington at the time, so I moved back with them. Got enrolled in the all-time certification program, and you know started teaching and coaching in Grapevine. And in uh, 2014 and 15, then got the opportunity to move up to the varsity level. So I moved out with a, you know, I followed our the high school receiver coach at the time. He took the OC job out in Marshall, Texas, out in East Texas. You know, so I was there for two years. And then, um, you know, just, you know, wanted to get closer back to the family and stuff. So we ended up moving back to uh, where we're at right now, which is Cleburne, you know, and so um, which is just South Fort Worth. And so, you know, it's been it's been a pretty, pretty crazy ride. But, you know, it's it's definitely something that was it was led by faith in God just because it's the only way I know how I got to this point. And so um, I'll dive on deeper into all the other stuff later on. But that's just a little bit of a, about me. Yeah. So you mentioned um, right there about your faith. So kind of walk us through a little bit more of your journey and your your journey of, you know, did you grow up in a family of faith? And then at what point did it become a personal relationship with Jesus for you? Oh, man, I have to take a deep breath because it's pretty deep, man. But, uh, you know, growing up, man, I honestly didn't really have that that whole family, you know, that whole family um uh, 
atmosphere. You know, I didn't really have a mom or, I mean, I had a, I had a, I just say biological mother just because she's the one that bore me. Um, she's, you know, and so, but she, uh, she did the best she could, but we moved, we were nomadic. We were, you know, my biological father left when I was born and, you know, I was born in Austin. Um, and then when I was one, I guess we moved to, um, Arizona. I'm not Arizona, but, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so we lived in Tulsa, we lived in Shawnee, we lived in Ada, we lived in Oklahoma City. And then, you know, from all the way until I was like, I guess, first grade. And then we moved to uh, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Clovis, and then ended up moving to Arizona and going into, um, where's that? I mean, we lived in Flagstaff, Phoenix, Holbrook, Winslow, and Joseph's. And I think there's some city down south it's like a, a big city in arizona and i can't think of what it's called but anyways lived there and then ended up moving to a town called joseph city which is like man it's it's tiny you could spit further across that thing than it's mm. just so small but big mormon community man like i'm talking the mormon church was probably the biggest church i've ever seen in my entire life and um it was right across the street from the school you know, and so that Mormon church ran everything, you know, and so um, I didn't really go to church, you know, growing up, um, you know, I had always had, you know, faith in God, I guess you just, you know, I knew who he was and I always felt better when I talked about him, but, you know, I never really, I don't think I really like trusted him like, you know, believers should, you know, but at that time I really didn't have that influence, you know, of uh, just that that family, you know, like, you know, I know with me today, like with my daughter, I want, you know, obviously we're watching church podcasts and, you know, all that stuff on Sundays. And I want, I want her to grow up in the church just because I think it just helps shape you, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And you just have positive people that are around you and then just want the best for you. But I didn't have that. And so what ended up happening when I stayed in Arizona, Joseph City, Arizona for third, fourth and fifth grade. And so, um, when I hit fourth grade, my biological mother, she had met this, well, she had met this guy, obviously, in Arizona. And then what we ended up doing, is, I mean, in, in Oklahoma, I'm sorry. And then what we ended up doing is when we moved all those different places, he was just with her or whatever. She left when I was in fourth grade and just left. I didn't know where she went. And so, like, I was living with this guy, you know, and I guess my half, my half brothers and sisters, you know, because they had kids together. Um, and so I was just kind of by myself, man, you know, just really secluded, um, you know, you know, I played athletics just because in Arizona in fifth grade, you know, you can play, um, like tackle football and stuff like that. Like at the time you could, you know, it was part of the junior high or whatever, but man, I remember having to like, we lived probably like five miles from the school. And I remember like, kind of like being thrown to the side not really cared about or whatever. And so like, I remember having to walk, you know, I couldn't even like afford a pair of shorts. Like, so I was wearing like sweats that I cut and I had, you know, short shoes that were just torn up. And luckily, man, there was a, a pretty good family there that kind of took care of me, you know, and gave me the stuff I needed. But I mean, I wasn't really getting that kind of support. And so I don't hear from my biological mother for two years. And then she just shows up and says, you know, I met this guy and, you know, um, you know, we found a place and, uh, you know, I want y'all to come live with me you know, and I didn't want to be there anymore. So I was like, for sure, you know, and so we ended up moving to Dillion <laughs> in a fifth grade summer. 
And uh, it was awesome, man, because it was the first time I had felt like I had like a, a place where I was going to stay a little bit longer. Because I think between, you know, all the way from fifth grade, I probably went to probably 20 different schools, man, you know, just all over the place. And so just to have that feeling of just, you know, something that might be consistent, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. And so still, man, just didn't go to church, you know, and my biological mother, she never was, um, she wasn't a druggie. She wasn't an alcoholic or anything like that, man. She just couldn't, she couldn't hold down a job, man. Like I don't, I just, and, it, and it wasn't because she was lazy. I just don't, I really don't even know because I never really like sat there and had a conversation with her about it, but you know, um, she just, she had an MS, you know, and so like she was always taking medicine and, and stuff like that. And so I, I find myself at an early age, man, like, like I, I had a job, I had a job in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, like just trying to, and this wasn't just money for me to spend. It was like, if I want electricity this month, I need to go make 70 bucks somehow, you know? And so, wow. so I had a, uh, you know, I ended up saving money and bought like an old beat up um, Ron lawnmower and had a little wagon I built and had a little LC's little lawn service driving around little town of Dillion, man, and just trying to hustle, you know, to make some awesome. money. But, you know, still, I mean, I guess I just never was ever at home either. You know, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable at home, man. You know, I never felt like that was where I needed to be. You know, I it's not, it's not that I didn't feel safe because that's not the case. I just didn't feel like I, I belonged. I never did, mm. you know, growing up. And so, um, that led me to, um, you know, because when you have that feeling and you don't feel like you belong and you don't feel like you have those that care about you and no one shows you attention, what do you tend to do? You, you tend to seek out those outlets, you know, that, you know, that show you that. And so the people that I started hanging out with, I believe genuinely cared about me but they did some bad stuff, you know, and because of that and them showing me that attention, that's, that's, I started going into it. Now I never did anything like crazy, you know, but like I drug, you know, as far as drugs, it was just marijuana, you know, but it was a lot and drinking and stuff. I mean, just, it was part of the norm, but like those people showed me attention. And so for me, I was like, well, I'm not about to say no to these people that care about me. You know what I mean? And so I, so from then on, man, I just, from sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, I live with, you know, families for, you know, a family maybe for a month. And then I'd go with another friend's family for a month or two weeks here and there. And I'd feel like I was, you know, cause people always say you can stay here as long as you want. But in my head, I was just like, I don't want to inconvenience them. You know, I just, you know, I, and I get, and still to this day, a lot of those families, I still care about a lot and they still hit me up and stuff. And so we're still close, but you know, I just, I always felt like I was a burden to people, you know what I mean? And so like, I would stay, I'd stay somewhere and then feel like, man, I just, I'm inconveniencing their family, you know, I'm taking them out of their element and whatever. And then, you know, so I would say thank you and dip. Now I might come back to that same family later on, but you know, it was crazy. So anyways, that happened all those years, you know, and then I finally decided uh, to move back in with my biological mother because she found a house and she was still with that guy. Oh, she was with another guy, the guy that she met in Texas. And through all this whole time, man, I might have been with the church a handful of times, you know, just no one that I was with went, you know, mm-hmm. 
Um, now some families I stay with went and I went, but it didn't, it felt like I was like, I felt like I was being forced because I was staying with them. You know, it didn't feel like I wanted to go because I wanted to grow. It just, right. this is what I did. It was a routine, you know? And so, um, you know, but as we keep going and, and going on, you know, I moved back in with her and this is like, um, before my sophomore year, um, in like probably March. And, uh, so we end up getting there. The house is good. Everything's good for a while. And all, all of a sudden I come home from school one day and there's no electricity. Right. And then, so, um, you know, I asked her what's going on and she's like, the electricity has been turned out. And I was like, well, is this going to get turned back on? You know, and she, uh, you know, never had an answer. So we went from, what is it? March, April, May, June, July, August, September. So we went six months without electricity. Um, that was 10th grade, you said? This is before my 10th grade year. Before? This is, uh, my freshman year going into my, so March of whatever year that was. Mm-hmm. Long ago. <laughs> I think it was 2003 or 2004. Uh, but anyways, and so we're in there for six months, you know, with no electricity. So basically what we have for lights are candles and stuff, you know, and no hot water. And if you've ever taken a cold shower, you know that those are the quickest showers you can get in. Um, but we ended up getting our water shut off. And so we had no water. We had no electricity. We were living in a house. And summer's here in Texas, man. Good Lord. They're hot. And so, um, you know, there was a lot of times when I went across the street to take a shower to get ready for school or whatever, just some family friends or whatever. But the thing is, is nothing changed. Like the person that she was before you know, and that situation didn't change when I decided to give her another opportunity, you know, just to see the things had changed. So <clears throat> it wasn't going anywhere. And so one night it was a September, it was in September of that year, my sophomore year, um, I get woken up and there's a lot of screaming going on and I'm like, what's going on? You know? And, and then all of a sudden there's smoke everywhere. Well, long story short, our house burned down. Right. And so everything that I had growing up, you know, pictures, baby pictures and met, like just stuff that meant a lot to me that I had growing up is gone. Right. So now I really have nothing. So I feel like I'm not wanted. I have nothing that I feel, you know, my identity's in. So all this stuff is gone. And um, so here I am again, just living with different people. And there was this guy, um, you know, that I'd always been really cool with. His name was Joseph Cisneros. And, um, you know, um, his family, they're being in the church, you know, they're always there. They're, they're always willing to help people no matter what. And he was always just, just my best friend, you know, just the guy who was always there no matter what, you know, because, you know, in high school, it's all about clicks, man. And if you, if you don't do something, you know, that some person likes, then that person will tell someone else not to like you and whatever, you know? And so, um, but he wasn't like that. And so I said, man, I don't have anywhere to go for you know, Thanksgiving, um, you know, my, uh, my family is non-existent and all this other stuff. And I say, can you, you know, do you mind? Cause I had stayed with them that summer, that whole summer I'd stayed with them. And then that's when I went back with Denise, which is her name or whatever. And so anyways, we ended up asking and, um, basically what ended up happening was, um, once I went to Thanksgiving with them, I kind of just didn't leave. You know, and so um, it just, it you know, a week turned into two weeks and two weeks turned into a month, you know, and then what ended up happening was I think I was there for 
probably a few months and my dad, you know, his name's Gregory. Everybody calls him just pops or whatever, but he, uh, you know, I was there for a while and I was starting to make myself comfortable and they said they knew that like it was going to be a real thing because they, they walked by one day and I didn't notice, but I was already hanging stuff up on the wall. Like, like it was my house, you know, like I was there. And so like, it was, a, it was a pretty cool thing, but they, uh, you know, this is when it really hit me with my faith and stuff is that, uh, you know, my pops was going to go talk to Denise, my biological mother about, you know, me coming back. And, you know, this is what some things that she needs to, she, he was going to try to counsel her a little bit, you know, just, you know, he's a great kid that just needs somebody to love him, you know? Mm. And anyways, and so basically he, I get chills to this day, but he said that he walked, um, you know, and so I, I had been baptized and all that stuff early on in life. So like, I feel like I've, I've been, a, I've been a son of Christ for a long time, but like, I just never really started walk, walk the walk. I feel like until I was like 16 or 17, but, um, you know, anyways, he gets there and he tells me to this day that he goes to reach for the door handle and he feels like he gets like he said that when he went to reach for the door handle, like his whole body froze. And I said, what do you mean? You know, when he was telling me, he said, man, I, I felt like my whole body was frozen and I couldn't grab the door handle. And then he said he felt like it was like somebody sitting next to him in the truck who was just like, you know, LC is I want you to take care of him now. Like he is your mm. child. That's where he needs to be. You know, put this truck in, in, you know, in reverse and go home to him. You know, like that's what he told me. He, he felt and heard as clear as day. And so, man, he came home. He told me that story. We cried or whatever, you know what I mean? Cause it's the first time, man, I just ever felt like I had a family, you know what I mean? The first time I felt like, you know, I had had somebody who cared more about, me as a person and what I could offer him, you know, like my biological father was never there. And the only time he, I heard of him was when I was a sophomore and I, I made all state and, and just get a random phone call, you know, Hey, I'm proud of you. Like, who is this guy? So it was like, I, I had to do something to get that attention. You know, mm. I could tell you all the way growing up, you know, all the way until I got adopted, you know, I, my parents were not at any of my sporting events really, you know, but when I got adopted, when I was, a, you know, when I started living with them, when I was a sophomore all the way through college, you know, because, you know, even we went to Washington, you know, Wisconsin, Oregon, uh, all that stuff, you know, and they, my sister played basketball in college. So she was everywhere, but they never missed a single one of my games in any sport. So football, basketball, baseball, track, all the way through high school and then football you know, in, in college and they never missed. They always had someone there because they just fit. They always, in their minds, they, they say that it's all about family. Right. And that's the most important thing. And they want to make sure that their family members know that. And that's how I felt it. And so, you know, my last name was Williams at this time. And, you know, I'm a senior, you know, and then, um, you know, we go through this whole thing that summer before that, before I turn a senior and go, you know, I uh, told him, I was like, you know what, I just, you know, I feel like that you're my parents now and this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I was wondering if it'd be okay if I took your last name, you know? And so wow. that's when I became a Cisneros, you know? And so like, I was a Williams all the way until I was 17. And then I ended up turning into a Cisneros. And so I guess what it really hit me, man, was when you know, um, the announcer at our football games, 
came up to me before the game. He's like, hey, do you want it to, you know, do we go with Williams or would we go with your new name? And I was like, man, I don't know who Williams is anymore. Like, I'm not a Williams. I'm Cisneros, you know. And when he called it, man, like, like, cause I had just scored on a touchdown or something. And like, I just started crying in the end zone, man. Like, cause I was just like, it's fine. I finally have that feeling of, of mm. having a family and being a part of something. And I finally belong, you know, and like, cause I fully believe that like, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have like went down like a dark and dark road because I wasn't dumb. You know, like I just, I felt like I had my head on straight. I just didn't have the guidance that I have now. So I might not have, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I know that for a fact it wasn't for Christ and that family, but um, at, you know, the coaching and, and what I'm doing and how I'm just, I want to just give back so much is because of them, man. Like, you know, I hope everybody on this that's live right now can meet my parents one day, man, just because they're, you, you meet them and you instantly know that they're just amazing people, you know, and, um, where I was at and where I'm at today is a constant reminder of how good they've been, you know, and how good God is, you know, and I, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I'm at without him. He constantly puts me in the best positions to be successful. You know, he, he's given me a great family and all amazing wife. Like, and so like, you know, all that stuff that happened in my life, man, like, you know, obviously I share my testimony to people, you know, talking about not having that father figure, you know, and being in coaching and seeing a lot of my kids not have that, man, I, I relate to them so much. And I feel like that's a, a gift from God just because the, he, he's putting me in the lives of these kids that have those same kind of problems. And, and if I can make it, you know, then, then they can make it. And if I didn't have that person for me speaking, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So he, I think sometimes he kind of puts me in those situations to be around those kids um, to help them out in that same way, you know? And so, but when I started getting with this family, man, the church became a normal thing. I started going on mission trips. FCA was big in college. FCA was huge. We even started like a little, we started like a rap, a Christian rap group, you know, CPR it was Christ Motors Revive. You know, we had that going for a little bit and it's just my life's never been the same. You know, I mean, I went to a Christian university, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian, you know, right. go there. And so, but, you know, just my relationship with Christ and church and stuff like that, like, is the most important thing. And I will be honest with you, man, like, like I have faith in God and I feel like I know where my eternity is going to be spent. Um, but, you know, I don't go to church like I should before the quarantine you know, I, I make excuses just like anybody else does, you know, but um, I think it's important that we have those accountability partners like this group, man, that just constantly pour into each other words of encouragement and, you know, want, want the best for each other. Because, you know, if I could sit there and say, you know, if I go to church and I hear something that happens, you know, or read something or just some kind of lesson that's taught and I can share it with you guys and maybe something from that helps somebody with what they're going through, then, I just did what God wanted me. That's, that's his ultimate plan, you know, is for us to be his hands and feet and share his good, you know, his good word. And so, yeah, man, but that's kind of, you know, just, you know, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a lot, but, you know, I was, I felt like God always gave me that, that drive to never give up and just continue working hard because there was going to be a lot at the end of the tunnel. You know, I just, it just had to take, you know, some stuff, but I think that's, 
that's why I am who I am today, you know, just from going through all that stuff. And, you know, I know sometimes it gets, you know, it's trying on my marriage because as far as emotion goes, like I don't get real emotional because I never had no one feel sorry for me. So like Mm. there's a lot of times in my marriage where, you know, my wife, you know, will say, well, you don't ever show emotion. And it's, it's tough for me because I just, I'm not trying to be a hard, you know, someone that's hard or tough, but it's just things don't affect me like other people because when I was going through that stuff, you know, I never had anybody to feel sorry for me. So, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a like kind of like a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? And so it's something that like I still struggle with to this day, especially when I share my feelings because, you know, I was taking advantage of so much growing up. And so like even to this day and not so much anymore because I've gotten so much better about it, but I would always revert to stuff. You know, well, I didn't have this back in the day. No one showed me this kind of attention and I was constantly living in the past and never letting it go. And anytime, like early on to this whole thing, man, anytime you wanted to talk about, you know, my biological mother, I would shut you out right now. Like, you know, if you want to talk about her, then I'm not talking to you for a couple of days. Cause mm. I'm not talking about that, you know, and, but now I don't mind sharing it because it's literally who I am. You know, I talk to her, you know, when I say my parents now, it's my adopted parents, you know, like that's my mom and dad, regardless. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thankful for Denise and, you know, for what she did and bringing me into this world. But, you know, she, you know, she's a friend now, you know, I, I put it at that, you know, I don't have a grudge or anything anymore, but she's not my mom. And if that sounds bad, it's bad, but, she she wasn't the one that really got me to where I needed to get to, you know, and I really value those type of those relationships, you know, Christ is my Christ because of what he did, you know, and he showed it, you know, and I, I believe that like, it takes a little bit of doing on people's parts to show importance in your life, especially if you're relevant to them, you know, and if you're willing to invest in them and somehow in some way, then that means you care for more for them than for yourself. And, you know, and so, you know, you know, it's been, it's been a crazy ride, but it's, it's also been a huge blessing, you know, and I I would never change anything about it because, you know, I am where I'm at right now because of all that. So, but yeah, that's my faith and stuff at all all time high, but it, it always can be better, you know, and I can always read more and I can always be in, you know, just, be more positive, you know, through this whole quarantine times, I feel myself being selfish sometimes. And, you know, man, this sucks. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to be here. I want to be back to what I'm doing instead of, instead of glorifying him and look at all this time you're letting me spend with my daughter, you know, that like I'll be wanting and wishing for later on when she gets older, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so um, it's a daily battle, but you know, our cross is, He's seen victory. And so through him, we're victorious, right? That's right. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter what life throws at us. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to see a victory, you know, regardless. So there's that. Man. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. And it's not very often that I, I, I say that I'm speechless. I'm usually not short on words, but um, quite, quite a story. But as you share the latter end of it, you know, what just keeps coming to my mind is Romans eight twenty eight. you know, you know, God works all things together for the good. He took your bad, you know, that upbringing that was, you know, you didn't feel accepted and have love. And now look at, you know, 
your story now and how good, how he's using it for good. That's the one thing that just kept going through my mind because I'm sitting there trying to write down where all you said you lived. And, you know, I'm thinking you're about done and you're in fourth grade. So um, I can't imagine as a kid, you know, going through that and then, you know, not feeling the love. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. So um, I'm just blown away the fact that we're sitting here having a conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, because of, you know, the journey you went on, but how, and also, I mean, as a family, it's, you know, it's encouraging to hear about your, your now parents or the, the parents that adopted you, what it's like to model Christ's love to, mm-hmm. to people that we interact with, even, you know, 16, 17 year olds like you were at the time that, you know, I don't, you know, the people I interact with are my, my kids, friends, I don't know their story, you know, and so it's just a reminder that uh, even though we have our own little family that, you know, just there's people out there that, that, that need to be shown the, the, the love of Christ. And um, so yeah, let me ask you, go you'll, ahead. You'll never know that either, man. Like you would, you know, you can look at any, you know, the way they say, look at the cover of the book and mm-hmm. you, you never can tell, you know, about, but you can either let, and this is what I tell people all the time. You can either let what's happened to you hold you down or you can find a way to get through it. And mm. there's so many of our kids going through some stuff. And when I talk to them, like that situation doesn't define you. Like either you want to get out of it or you don't want to get out of it. And there's, there's always a way, you know, and, and it might not be easy, you know, but I, I tell them all the time, like you, you just have to take that first step and there's going to be people that are going to be there for you that are going to help you through it. And, and you're not alone. And so I, I just want people to know that, like, you know, obviously they say don't judge a book by its cover and stuff like that, but <clears throat> you're not going <clears> to, <throat> looking at me, you're not going to ever be able to tell that I went through that stuff because I'm not right. Why, why, why should I, why should I worry about any of that stuff anymore? Like that's not, that's, right. me. that's part of who I am, but it's not who I, I don't claim myself to that stuff anymore. Like I, I want to be somebody that people can look to for guidance or just a, a friendly ear to hear, you know what I mean? Just like someone that they can talk to about anything. And so that, that's what I strive for on a daily basis, you know? So, I mean, I, I embrace those tough times, man, as lessons for me to to continue to go no matter what, you know what I mean? And so that's how that is. That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously this is much different than any other podcast we've recorded. Um, you know, I send, I think, 17 questions and, you know, we may talk through three of them now. So um, you talked about the impact that your stories had on your marriage, but you also have a little daughter. So how has that shaped your approach to to being a dad well I'll especially you, if a dad of a little girl well first off i don't ever want to you know being a dad of a girl and realizing that she's going to be wanting to be interested in dating one day and all this other stuff is not something i look forward to because right now i just i see her as my little baby and stuff like that but i know it's inevitable i know it's going to come but i'll tell you one thing we're going all through that. There's not going to be a single day that that girl doesn't feel like she's loved by me. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a single day that she goes by and has to wonder if dad's going to come home, you know, mm. or if dad's going to be there for her. So that, that right there is, you know, going through all that stuff and not having that, she's not going to feel a lack of family presence. Like it's going to be there. Um, are me and my wife going to have issues and problems and arguments? Absolutely. Cause I'm hard headed, man, you know, but at the same time, we know it's important. 
we know it's all about her now and not us, you know? And so uh, I think just having that absence of that growing up is going to make me want it more for her. And so I, I think that, you know, I'm going to be everything that she can, that she wants, you know, like in a dad and I'm going to make sure she's provided for and taken care of. And, you know, that's why, I mean, I really work hard, you know, but I hustle graphics, whatever, just because I want to make sure that she doesn't have to struggle, man. Like, I don't want her to feel like she has to have, like, here's the thing. It it was so tough for me because <clears throat> like when my friends would go places, I would tell them, no, I just can't go because I have something. But really it was because I had no money, mm-hmm. you know? And so I don't want her to ever feel like she can't go hang out with friends or do something because of money problems. You know, if, if she needs $20, now I'm not saying I'm just going to throw a racks, you know, I'm not going to do right. all that. But if she says that something needs 20 bucks and she's going out with friends, I don't want her, I don't want her to have that feeling. Uh, I can't go be with my friends because I can't afford to. And I don't want them to know that. So I'm going to have to lie to them. You know, like mm. I don't want that to ever be something. So that's why I work so hard at it. That's why I'm such a, uh, what's that word? Um, that's why I'm so frugal. I don't spend money, man. Like I just save it as much as I can because I just, I want her to never have to go through what I had to go through. You know, I don't want her now. She wants to get a job and stuff. That's fine. But like, I want her to work because she wants to, not because she has to. You know what I mean? And then so that that's all that has shaped me just with being a dad and a father, man, and, and being a husband. I don't want my wife to ever feel like she's alone. Like I want her to always feel like she has someone that she can count on, that we're a true team in this and that we're raising this daughter together no matter what, come hell or high water, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be there for her, you know, and so um that's for sure uh how I'm gonna go about that. That's awesome. I can tell you, I mean, just listening to that, it's so convicting to me to go, you know what, there's so many days I take my family for granted. You know, I take my wife or my kids for granted. And do do I tell them enough that I love them? You know, am I am I showing them the attention that they deserve or am I just getting so distracted in my own stuff because they're, you know, I've just been fortunate that, you know, I didn't have that same um you know, I, I grew up in a family that that, that showed love. So I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting this out, but just because your story's, you know, been so impactful, but it just, I'm just sitting here just feeling, you know, challenged that, that perhaps, you know, and I think others as well, that we could do a much better job loving our own families. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the one thing that I'm taking from this is that who we are, I mean, what we do is just what we do, right? And, you know, and you can, when if all that stuff stripped away, and there's a lot of people going through this quarantine time learning that, right? Yeah. That when everything is stripped away, you're you're left here at home with your family. You know, am I loving my wife well? Am I loving my kids well? And um, I know that's something I'm gonna I'm gonna think on a lot and reevaluate that, and um, and you know, make sure that that stays. You know, loving God first, but that that stays in its rightful place because it's so easy to get that out of whack. But you know, what a what a great reminder to all of us that the importance of, of that. And it's just modeling, you know, I'm just sitting here I wrote down um, Gregory's name. Cause I'm just, I mean, I, I, you know, you said you'd love for, for, for folks to, to meet him. I'd love to, to meet him because to me, that is, 
who Jesus called us to be. For sure, man. And that is a walking example of who God has called all of us to be. You know, I try to be like him on a daily basis. I mean, this guy's going to be 61 this year. Wow. And he's uh, playing on, on some, like, travel volleyball and basketball teams. You know, like, <laughs> he's a youth – he's a retired – he worked for State Farm Insurance as an, adju- and as, as an adjuster for 30-plus years, and so now he's – you know, retired, but he's the youth minister at our home back at church, at church mm. back at home, you know, so he's getting to do all that, but he's, he's living his best life right now, man. And so what I was going to tell you about, you know, people who have all that stuff, you know, um, growing up as far as family and stuff like that, like it's so easy to take it for granted, you know? Mm-hmm. And even, even to this day, like I have it so good, but sometimes I, I take it for granted and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to like every night when I go to sleep and I look at like my daughter or my wife, like I just thank God for them and just pray for their safety because dude, like, honestly, like I might become, I might be a tough guy. Like, but if I didn't have my wife, I'd be, I don't know what I'd be useless. <laughs> I'd be working, you know, I, mean, I just wouldn't be able to have it. So I would, I can't imagine my wife just asked me earlier before we started this, she said, can you imagine our, you remember what our life was before, before we had Izzy? And I said, no, I don't, I don't care to, you know? And so I don't even remember what we used to do, you know, like, honestly, I don't. And it's only been, she's only a year and six months old. And so like, you know, that's how much of an impact that has on your life, you know, and you know, God had that at the, at the perfect time, you know I mean? It's just crazy. You know, like you said, we don't ever take anything for granted. So like my, my family, we meet once a week and we do like a family zoom just to check in with each other. And I started it, you know, I just said, listen, I, nothing's promised and I don't want to not be able to see you or say something. If, if God called you home, like, you know what I mean? So mm. like, I just, we meet that way and it's just, it's just the only way we can do it right now, but it's so easy because we don't have to travel. We don't have to get our kids ready. We can just turn on the computer, see each other for an hour or whatever, and then go back about our lives. But you know, I, the, the importance of family is something that I'll never take for granted because I didn't have one, you know. And so the fact that I have one now and stuff, I'm, I'll do anything for it. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, being in the profession you're in and the demand of being a coach, especially here in Texas, where I mean, football is is huge. Um, you have a very different perspective about the value of family, the value of being home with family. Um, I imagine you have a very different perspective than those that you work with. So how has that played into, especially like during the season, For you sure. know, how do you, how do you balance that time commitment with being a husband and a dad? Well, I've been very blessed and fortunate to have had head coaches that value that family aspect. So, you know, as far as, you know, our meeting times and stuff like that, we really don't, you know, we, if we don't have to meet on Sundays, we won't you know, and, and, and stuff like that, but it's tough. I mean, especially like, you know, those days, cause we start our practices in the morning, you know, all the coaches there at five fifteen, and we have our, you know, our meetings from five thirty to five forty five or whatever, just to talk about kind of how practice is going to go. And then our kids get there five fifty or on the field at six, we practice from six to eight twenty five, And then, you know, that's it. And then we're back after school watching film. And then, you know, obviously after film, you know, it's, you know, the coaches sit up there and just talk, you know, draw on the board or whatever, you know. And so 
um, in game nights and stuff, that's hard just because, you know, as a coach's wife, you know, that's why I think they're the strongest women um, out there. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you can be a coach's wife, then you're just in, in, in the MVP of everything just because she's holding down a house. She's taking care of the kid. And um, I'm coming home and I'm tired, but I never hear her complain. I never hear her complain about it. And I, I'll, I'll be lying if I told you that, like, when I keep busy every single day, like these past three weeks, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just so tired. Like, I need to, I need to go work out or something. I need to get out of the house. And like, she did all the time, and she never complained about it. So, um, with with all that being said, man, I just, I try. Like, I never really bring anything like home from the office. Like I, like if I'm frustrated because like, cause my first year in Cleveland, man, we got 0 and 10. And, you know, if anybody's ever experienced putting all that time and effort into a team and, and just trying to be successful and you went, you lose every single game, it's very trying. It makes you feel like um, if what you're doing is worth it, you know, mm-hmm. like I always knew I wasn't going to coach. I wasn't going to get out of coaching, but I really questioned whether like if what I was doing was making any sort of effect, if it was helping, you know, like I, if, if I was doing anything there. And so that year was very tough on us because I was just so frustrated all the time, but like she was always really good about just, you know, being there and just, Hey, it's going to be okay. You're doing everything you can. Don't, don't, no, don't blame yourself. Like everybody has to work together for this thing to work. Like she's, so she's been really good about it, but, I make time. Like if I'm not doing something up there, I'm not up there at the field house. Like if, if, if I can do, if I can do like, um, like if I can break down a, like the secondary or something like that, since I coach receivers or whatever I'm responsible for, um, you know, we obviously go up there on Sunday to watch film together. I mean, Saturday to watch film together and stuff like that. But after that, when we're breaking down opponent or whatever like that, like if I can do it at home, I just go home and do it. You know, like I'd rather be at the house than at the field house because there's a lot of times when I just get distracted or we'll just be talking about something that's irrelevant, you know, and um, we'll be shooting the bull. And so I try to just finish my work, whatever I got to do and get home. And then I don't I don't think about football anymore, Mm. you know, or whatever I'm coaching. And so I, I tend to do it that way because my wife doesn't deserve me being frustrated. She doesn't deserve me being upset. You know, and so if I take my anger out on her, then that's not doing anything for our marriage. You know, it's it's making our our marriage tougher, you know. And so um, as far as balancing work life and being a husband and everything, I make it a priority to be a family person first. You know, if it comes between my family or football, then I'm obviously going to pick my family. Mm-hmm. Even though I love football a lot, I don't I don't I don't worship it, you know, and um, my family is the most important thing to me. And so but um yeah, I mean, I try to get my work done as fast as possible. You know, I still take my time and do it a lot. You know, I just don't get through it, you know, just to go home. But, um, you know, I get that taken care of so I can get home to the wife and kid and spend time with them because, you know, we all know if you go to football, you know, you don't get much time to do that. So anytime that I can make for them, I do it. That's great. I, 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 um, I mentioned I take a lot of notes. I wrote that down. You love football a lot, but not worship it. There's there's a lot to be said in that simple sentence right there that, you know, not just whether it's football or whatever career you're in. You know, a lot of people worship the career or worship things. Um, I like that. So I'm going to ask you, um, this is always one of my favorites. So, you know, 
coming into the family with Gregory and uh, going through that, was there a scripture that you can remember that just had such a huge impact on you or, you know, option B, I guess would be, is there one now that, you know, God has really used in your life recently that you would share? You know, the, the verses that like, cause there's a lot of good verses in the Bible, you know, obviously, but, and this might not be the best thing, but like the verses that mean the most to me that I've, that like have really been there for me. Um, I've, I've gotten, um, I've gotten ink on my body, you know, and Love so, it. um, you know, Ephesians six, you know, um, 10 through 18, when we talked about the, the full body of Christ, mm-hmm. I got all that on there. That was huge. Um, you know, the second Corinthians five, five, seven, you know, walk by faith, not by sight. Obviously that's huge. Uh, Romans one, one, six, you know, I understand the gospel, but I think the one that means the most to me is Galatians two twenty. And that one just simply states, you know, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, you know. And so, you know, the life I'm living right now, I'm living because I have faith in God, like, and everything I do in it, while I'm being able to be present in it, it's going to be for Him, you know. And so Galatians 2.20, I would say, is my life verse, you know, that's just something like it's something that changed, you know, the life I live in the body now, you know, I live by faith, you know, and so there's nothing that anybody can do to take my faith away, you know, and there's nothing that can be said to take my faith away. And I believe who I believe. And, you know, I'd rather spend my whole life believing in Christ and worshiping him and following him and find out later on that that's not true. than just not believe in him and then have to face him, you know, you know, and so I don't want that to happen. So, you know, I'm not worshiping him and, and following him because I want him to give me something mm. or because he owes me anything because he doesn't. I, I worship him and I follow him because that's what I want to do. And that's just what, what I'm supposed to, you know, that's, it's just the right thing to do. And, you know, and, and so he, if, if he can do all he did, then I can do, that's not asking much of me. You know what I mean? And I don't have to completely change my life to be a follower. And I think that's what a lot of people feel like they have to do is completely change who they are and all that stuff if they get involved with Christ. And that's not the case. Like maybe some of your priorities change. Maybe some people that you hang out with change. But like you as a person, you don't have to become somebody you're not. You just now have something to believe in and something that you live by. You know, and and I think that's what a lot of people misconstrue with with a relationship with Christ is they don't want to give up what they're worshiping. Mm. You know, they don't want to give up what they feel is most important. I know if I was if I relied on something so heavily, I wouldn't want to give it up. You know, and so I think when we when we fully rely on God, you know, and and everything we do is for Him, it's not hard to get rid of the things that are holding us back or tearing us apart. You know, or you know, are damaging us. It's not hard. You know, I had a lot of friendships who, I mean, they were my best buds, you know, like growing up that I had to cut ties with, you know, mm. and was it easy? Absolutely not, man, because those guys did everything for me. It wasn't hard. Absolutely. Were they mad at me? Probably still to this day, but it, they weren't helping me get to where I needed to get to. And God was leading me down one path and they were trying to drag me down another. And I had to cut ties with that, you know? And so, you know, when he talks about that straight and narrow path, man, it's, 
you know, any, any way to the left or right when people are pulling you, man, like if it's not leading you to where your ultimate goal is and that's salvation, you know, then, you know, you've got to make a decision, you know, and it's, it's tough. You know, it's never, the right decision is never the easiest, you know, mm. and that's what my parents always said growing up is, you know, and so if it's an easy decision, then you probably didn't think about it hard enough, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, especially with this coaching world and how, you know, what we seek and what we're, you know, what our next move and stuff is like, we, we get caught up and thinking about that too much instead of just letting God take care of it, man. And just wherever you're at right now, just giving everything you can to it. And then if it changes, it changes, but just know it changed because that's what he wants and not because mm. you're trying to force it. And that's what I struggle with the most right now, you know? And so, you know, all, all that being said, man, I just, Galatians 2.20 for sure has been a verse that like, I just, I can't get enough of, man. And um, I got that on my ribs and I only got the latter part of it because I couldn't fit all of it. And then two, it, it hurt like the Dickens. So like I wasn't, <laughs> trying to get, I wasn't trying to get the entire 50, 60 words on there. I just got 30. <laughs> That's awesome. I love yeah. it. So you said, you said a lot there that um, I mean, we could probably go on for another hour and just kind of talk through some of the things you just said, but you talked about, you know, coaches have a hard time being where they are basically, you know, always looking for the next move. But I think, you know, you guys as coaches are in a tough spot because a lot of times your, your future, if you will, depends on wins and losses. Um, you're depending on 15, 16, 17 year old kids sometimes. Right. Um, and so it's easy to get caught up. I think in that identity is in the wins and losses because that's really how you're judged. Yeah. But um I mean, you've laid it out here as clear as anybody can why that's not the most important thing. Now, and I'll yeah. tell you what, Stuart, I, I want to win, bro, more than oh, anything. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, I know the realistic, and I know it's not realistic to say that we're going to win state every year. Right. You know, I, I know it's realistic to say that we're not going to go undefeated in the district. Like, if we win, we win, and if we lose, we lose. But at the same time, Everybody wants about uh, some validity in what they're doing. They want to feel like whatever they're doing, um, it's it's some, they're getting some payoff from it. I think that's mm-hmm. human nature, you know. And when you win, it's just like everything I spent, all my time and effort, it just got it paid off. And when you lose, especially those games that you shouldn't lose, you know, it kind of makes you like, man, did I just waste all that time, you know? And so. That that right there, you know, it's not about the wins and losses, but you know, um, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to win. You know, oh, absolutely. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. I mean, the Bible is very clear that everything we do, we need to strive for excellence, and I think that in, includes trying to win. I mean, you try to do everything you can to the best of your ability, but I think the danger is you start worshiping that, and then you lose your family, and that's what I admire so much about you. And your passion is that, you know, you're not going to, because of your story, you're not going to allow football to come before your family. No. How many stories do we read um, and hear and guys that we all know, um, especially in the coaching profession, they've lost their families because they started worshiping football instead of loving it. Um, And so that's the takeaway um, 
for me tonight is, and I'm not a coach, but, you know, just in my own profession and even involved in, in ministry too, that I don't worship that, you know, that I, I can love it, but it's not who I am and it's not what I worship. So that's, I love what you said that you're, you're following Jesus. Um, you're not following Jesus because he owes you anything. I love that. Um, because he already gave it all, um, you know, and so we owe it all to him. That's, that's good stuff. Hey, um, well, we could talk for hours and hours, I know. So um, I do want, I, I just, incredibly grateful um, for your transparency and uh, being vulnerable. I know it's not easy, um, especially as a male, you know, to, to be that transparent and be that vulnerable. But I, I promise you, not just the guys that have joined tonight live, I promise you, everybody listening has been very encouraged by your testimony. And um, I'm, I can't wait to, to listen to it again because I know there's stuff that you know just sitting here listening to you tell it that I didn't you know will will speak to us all later so I appreciate you giving up a Thursday night and um and the guys that joined giving up some time to to hear your stories I know I've been I've been encouraged and I and I want to thank um you too coach I you say you're not a coach but I, I see you as a coach man so I'm, <laughs> I call you coach Hardy so it's, it's, it's all good but, but I do appreciate you too, you know, giving me the opportunity to, and the platform to share this because I think that's what I think God gives us, you know, I think, uh, what was it said over here? And I love this in the chat box. Um, you know, Coach Trevino said that your mess becomes your messages and your tests become your testimonies. Like, and I've known that and I've heard that many times throughout my life, but it's true, man. Like everything you go through turns into a message. You know, right. every test that you go through in life that tries you becomes a part of your testimony. So everything you go through, you go through for a reason. And so, like, if you're going through something that might not be favorable, understand that there's a reason it's happening. And later mm-hmm. on, you'll be able to talk about it of how it's impacted your life, you know. And so um, I thank you for this. I appreciate Coach Simmons as well for, you know, always being, you know, just a great friend and someone that I can, you know, turn to and, you know, Coach Fry, I just met you a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I've been following you for a while on Twitter, but, you know, it's um, you're you're one of a kind, man, and I appreciate your friendship. Coach Valise, you know, Keegan, uh, Alan, all you guys that are on here tonight, man, just I appreciate you guys showing up, man, you know, because that's why I tell everybody it's the best fraternity that you can be a part of is in the coaching world because we're all in it together, you know, and, sure. and I think you can really tell a difference, you know, um, by the following um just of how important it is to people and so you know one thing i'll say before we get off is tune in you need to tune in every tuesday night at 8 30 central um central time standard um that way you guys can be a part of something and a movement that is 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 soon to be going to be taking over um big time and if you be encouraged and you want to be filled with the holy spirit and get some of that um get full on that word, you know, then you need to show up and just, you know, it's, it's, it's an awesome time, you know, and before you know it, it's over and you're already looking forward to the next week. So thank you coach, coach Stewart and coach um, Simmons for you guys um, putting this on and, you know, anything that I can ever do for anybody, you know, please don't hesitate to ask because that's, that's what I'm here for. You know, we're all going to be servants of the Lord. And so, just want to give back as much as I possibly can. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. What well, just what an incredible story um, of of God's love in action through LC's testimony, and 
we'll keep this conclusion brief. Thank you for listening. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to LC for being vulnerable and being transparent and sharing his story and also the guys that joined in to encourage him that evening that we recorded it live. But just a couple takeaways. You know, we talked about um, as a football coach, it's okay to love football a lot, but don't worship it. Um, And being all in for Christ you know, is, is, is fully relying on God. And He gave us some incredible scriptures um, that, that He encouraged us with. So I would encourage you just to go and, and meditate on those scriptures after, after listening this t- to this testimony. Thank you again for, for listening. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So look us up on social media. Just type in All In Sports Outreach, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'd love to hear from you or go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org find out who we are why we do what we do thank you for your encouragement thank you for your prayers